You're listening to NVC Voice, a podcast for Northwest Vista College in San Antonio, Texas. Hi, I'm Leela, and I'll be telling you about my story, Loving Yourself Through Hell. I met Alex when I was 19, and I had no idea that he would be the reason I lost and found my life again. On August 29, 2020, I knew something was truly wrong and my life was in real danger. Alex and I were riding around in my car on our way to his friend's house in San Marcos. On the way there, one of my coworkers had texted me and told me to have a safe night. Alex didn't like that and he began to scream at me. He told me that I was the reason he was going to kill himself. In a rage, he began to yell at me, I'm gonna write your name on my forehead so when the police find me dead, They'll know it was all your fault. All the while, he was trying to open the passenger door on the highway, trying to jump out with my phone. I didn't know what to do except to pull him into the car so he wouldn't kill himself. After pulling on him while trying to drive, I finally got him in the car, and I felt like I could breathe again. All I could think was, we're okay, and we're safe, but the joke was on me. We arrived in San Marcos, and Alex's friend wasn't home. I was upset, and I wanted to wait for his friend to get home so I could go home. After waiting for about an hour in silence, Alex was still angry that my coworker had even had the audacity to talk to me, so we went from silence to a very heated argument. He continued to go on and on about how he was going to kill himself and took off out of my vehicle with my phone. I ran after him, and he began to scream and shove me to the ground. I've never been put in a position where a man has put their hands on me until that moment. But I learned that if you tell a psychopath that you love them no matter what, after they physically assault you, they'll calm down. So we got back in the car, but he wouldn't let me drive. I was sitting in my passenger seat and I was asked, what's your body count? To me, it was strange that a boy I was with wanted to know about the others before him, especially after what just happened. But I gave an honest answer, and that was my downfall. The next thing I knew, I was being yelled at again. The second I began to defend myself, I saw a gun fly out of his backpack, and he immediately took the safety off. I will leave your ass here for nobody to find you. I will not get caught, and you won't get found. That's what I was told. My blood ran cold, and I couldn't do anything but sit there and take it, because I knew if I opened my mouth again, He would do exactly what he said. I learned that no matter what was said and done to me that night, I am the only person that can really love myself unconditionally. I didn't need to seek that out from other people. I wish that going through that situation wasn't the thing that made me realize my power and my self-identity. But if that didn't happen, I would never be feeling the way that I do right now. I am proud of the woman I became in that car, and I am proud of the woman I will continue to be. Hello everyone, this is Jordan Davida speaking with you, and today I'll be your guide as we'll be reading a story about my first home run called The Home Run. In the summer of 2019, I played on my first select team. The name of my team was SA Hackshack Baseball. I got introduced to this team by my friend Xavier Salazar. Once I told him that I didn't have a team to play for this summer, he told me, Dude, you could play with me and my team. I thought this was a good idea, so I talked to my dad and got on the team after talking to the coach. The coach's names were Paul, Anthony, and Nick. 
The first tournament we played in, it was in Jordanton, Texas. I was nervous because I wanted to impress the coaches and I barely knew anyone. We advanced all the way to the championship. It was a close game, but we found ways to be better than them and not shut down when things didn't go our way. Finally, it was my turn to bat again, and I was going deep in the count, but I stayed calm and just waited for that fastball. As the pitch was coming, I saw that it was a middle-end fastball, and I turned on it as hard as I could. The ball went flying, and in my head, I was yelling, no way, no way I just hit my first home run. As I rounded first base, I turned to look for the ball and saw it hit the top of the fence. Xavier was screaming, yeah, that's my boy. After hitting that ball, I discovered a whole new side of me. It made me feel stronger mentally. The next weekend, we had another tournament at Texas State University. Impatiently waiting for my turn to hit, I finally came up to bat. The second pitch was an outside fastball, and I sat on it and hit an opposite side field in the gap. The ball dropped 15 feet from the fence. I got a triple at that hit, and once again, the coaches were impressed, along with my teammates. Jumping to the school year of 2019-2020, I was really working hard and trying to earn a starting spot on the field. It was an important season due to the fact that it was my last one, and I really wanted to show out that year. It was a Friday and our last game spring break. I was still not hitting too well, and I didn't know what to do, so I asked my coach for help. He told me angrily, stop trying to hit home runs and just hit the damn ball. You're a base hit guy. We don't need those big things from you. After that, it was my turn to bat. Before I stepped in the box, I took a deep breath and really focused up. The pitch came, and it was the most perfect pitch I could have swung at, and hit it perfectly in the sweet spot of the bat. I watched it fly and turned to run, thinking, oh, that ball is off the wall. I'm getting a double off this. As I hit first base and turned to look for the ball, I heard everyone screaming. I was talking to myself, saying, no way. Oh, my God. This did not just happen. As I'm running third base, Coach Wichick tells me with a smile on his face, welcome to the big boys club. I've never in my life felt this joy and sudden rush of adrenaline pumping through my veins. Sadly, after that game, it turned out to be my last. COVID hit and took the rest of my senior year away, and I'll never get over it. Hi, I'm a student at Northwest Vista College. In a time as tragic as this, we seem to lose hope and we become blind to the good around us. But let me take the time to pass on a lesson to you I was once taught. Poverty taught me life's beauty. It was the beginning of December in 2012 where my mom's sister and I had landed on the great island of the Philippines. It was nighttime, the prettiest time of the day, and the coolest. The airport crowded, sparing yourself only one foot away from each person you pass by. Near from the entrance, I met my grandma and grandpa, or papa, greeting me with a hello, 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 which was how my grandpa always greeted us adding on a warm smile, opening their arms for a hug from each of us. My grandma wore a pink loose tee with pants while my grandpa wore a collared shirt with cargo shorts and flip-flops. We headed to their home and it was quite hard to tell what the building was itself. It had one driveway with a metal barrier in between their neighbor and them, separating the two properties. The home was very small, no backyard, laundry room, clothes were always hand-washed, or an office. I walked through the front door where I was greeted by a small keyboard seated on top of its stand. Against the corner was a desk with two computers, and behind it was a small couch against the wall. There was a dining table next to the couch with only two chairs and a small bench. 
The kitchen space was slightly smaller than the size of an SUV, where it was also joined by a bathroom, where the shower had no tub, but only a foam mat and a curtain. The first night sleeping was very uncomfortable, but each night got better and easier to sleep with some adjusting, staying at different family members' houses, uncles, aunts, and grandparents from my mom and dad's side. As you walk around the streets, you see small shops no bigger than a gas station and food shops that sat right next to each other like an outside food court. You could sit at the counters that had bar stools outside the shop. Each shop you could buy bread, pastries, cultural gourmet food, even desserts and drinks. People would also push around small carts that held ice cream. Or where we're from, we call it halo halo a snow cone type of dessert that consisted of sweet beans, coconut jelly, sweet juice, and more. Drinking sodas there was by pouring your soda of choice in a small plastic bag, sticking a straw in the bag, then tying a rubber band at the top of the plastic and straw closing the bag off. My grandpa called it the fancy way to drink soda. Transportation was used by either your own car or caravan, a tricycle, a motorcycle which hauled a cart in the back that seated two people, or a jeepney, a school bus that had seats longwise along each side of the bus and one in the middle, no back or side door. In order to catch a ride, you would have to jump onto the tailgate and hold onto the bars on the back door or flag the driver. We celebrated Christmas in the Philippines, which then was when I sat down and asked my grandpa how he felt about living there, living in the conditions they did, how he managed it all heavy pollution that made it difficult for him to breathe, poor people who sat on every corner, high crime rates and substandard hospitals. It was where my mom and her siblings were born, where they grew up. He started his career as a music composer in the Philippines, working with artists at a young age who are now very big celebrities. He told me, no matter how hard conditions are, how bad life gets, what struggles you go through in life, you always have to find the beauty in the things around you. It is what makes life more beautiful and enjoyable. God puts you in places for reasons, and mine were to enjoy the life of simplicity. And I still remember those words. It was so beautiful because regardless of the poverty everyone had lived in, there was always a smile on everyone's face. He also told me, one man's trash is another man's treasure. While other people outside of the Philippines see poverty and bad conditions, those inhabited to the island call it home, pride, and paradise. He is the reason I now look at life from a whole different perspective and appreciate everything I'm blessed to be provided with. Experiencing the poverty my grandparents live in taught me how beautiful life is. If I just open my eyes and look deeper into the beauty it beholds. This is Dominique Inojos on a smooth 30 minutes before my podcast is due. Procrastination takes its toll on everyone, am I right? Some more than others. Well, here's my story on how I've managed to overcome it. Time slipping. Procrastination is the action of delaying or postponing something. Without a doubt, there's probably not a single person who has never once procrastinated. Sometimes you just take a little too much time for yourself and end up pushing things that really matter to the side. Although it is a bad habit, you can take it as a situation to always learn from. I started my freshman year of high school always worried about if I was going to make it or how I'd manage time with cheer practice and football games every day, every week. I didn't think I was going to do good. So I went into high school with that 
already on my mind and that negative me- mindset of myself. Girls, cheer, and boys were definitely all things that I let affect my performance while I was at school. I always thought that playing dumb was the only way to look cute or being funny is the only way to impress. And overall, that was just another reason I'd push my schoolwork to the side and focus on the less important of events. I was always down, never wanting to do anything, and eventually ended up hating school more and more. Come to my sophomore year, I basically gave up. I never wanted to turn my work in on time, and I was always so quick to say, it is what it is, rather than getting my work done like I should have. I still didn't get over the idea that pretending to be dumb or never doing my work was a way to impress people. Everyone has those days where you really just need a brain break, so you know, you save the work for the next day, but man, that was just an everyday thing for me. I definitely went to an all-time low with my work and grades. My sophomore year, I ended up having a few amounts of credit recovery, until I heard about the CCMA program. After all, my pathway was health sciences, so I thought I'd be the perfect fit in a way to get out of my little deep dark hole. So I cut ties with procrastination, got myself together, and realized that the feeling of accomplishment is definitely a hundred times more satisfying. Once I got myself together back on my feet, I was very proud. I got accepted into my program and a new door was open for me. I began to work in hospitals and clinics. There wasn't a day that went by I didn't do my work. It's easier if you get it done and over with than putting it to the side and telling yourself you'll do it later. I went into my senior year, a whole new person, with goals that I achieved. Couldn't be more proud of my development. You've been listening to NBC Voice, a podcast for Northwest Vista College in San Antonio, Texas.